Hello and welcome back to episode 29 of Double Reel. This is the second reel of our monthly magazine-style podcast for film nerds. Hopefully you've caught up with the first reel, had a brief intermission, and refueled ready to take on this mighty second instalment of Nerdy Film Chat. If you haven't caught the first reel yet, please do go back to your app and download and listen to it so you're up to date with all the features we've covered already this month. These include our roundup of news and spotlight on some of the films we watched this month, our classic and recommended feature The Parallax View, our hidden gem Blowout, the one that got away about Louis Mal's Moon Over Miami, and our remake Hate Watch of The Manchurian Candidate. Now in Reel 2, we bring our big conversation, where we tackle a weighty topic and give it a fuller, i.e. longer discussion. First, a very warm welcome back to my co-host, James Adamson. Thank you very much. I'm excited to get into this. This month, our big conversation continues the theme of episode 29 with an in-depth look at conspiracy theories in the movies. So, James, um, my era of conspiracy films is kind of, although I wasn't around for the films, I, it was the 70s because, the, you know, Paul the President's Men, the Parallax View, the Conversation, the, these, you know, conspiracy, it was the heyday of those films. Um, that's the kind of era I look back on as the era that I feel closest to for conspiracy films with maybe JFK in, in, in 1991 as a bit of an outlier. That was one of the all-time big conspiracy films. And that's kind of my era. Do you think there's a corresponding era for you, you know, born in, you know, born in the 90s and, you know, it, it, this is your era now, but you know, over the past kind of 10, 15 years, do you feel like there's been an era, of, a corresponding era for you of conspiracy films that you can look back on and say, those are the films that reflect my, my, my time watching films? Not so much. I think conspiracy is an okay and they can find two, ironically, podcasts and <laughs> yeah. TikTok videos about um, I watched I watched a mental one the other day and it was like, oh, was there a nuclear war in the time of the ancient Egyptians? And it's like scientists are baffled as to why these stairs are looking like appear to be melting. There's no sign of erosion, and it was it was all mental. It was absolutely fucking bananas, and people believe that shit. Yeah, but no, I don't think that stuff's put into films. I, th- I think you make a very good point. It's not just the fact that the films don't come out the same way i don't think the conspiracy theories come out the same way nowadays and they did back then i mean back then yeah. conspiracy theories were you know jfk you know was a was a cover-up lee harvey oswald either didn't have any part in the assassination or you know there was a second gunman there was a conspiracy behind it what happened to robert kennedy what happened to martin luther king you know there was an actual conspiracy uncovered which was watergate Nowadays, as you say, that they 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 come up with conspiracy theories that are talked about widely, but no one's going to make them into a movie. And it's not yeah. a consp- it's not a conspiracy that no one's going to make them into a movie. No one's going to make them into a movie because they're so fucking wild and weird that no one's going to you know uh, give them a moment's sort of credence. You know, certainly not going to give them a hundred million dollars to make the movie, right? I mean, yeah. Could you imagine like if they made a conspiracy th- a film about you know? Nine eleven and stuff like that. You see that the problem you've got is that it's the the political angle to conspiracies now is so polarized and so strange in the way that it plays out that firstly it's all about it all comes out of people who hate Hollywood and what we see as the liberal establishments and none of them are going to you know make a movie endorsing you know the the Trump tendency MAGA freaks and QAnon right. No one from Hollywood is going to make those movies. No one's going to argue that case. Um, and and the other thing is that it's it also seems to be, it comes from a very different angle. There was an element of where the people and we're scared about the shit that's going on in the world. And now those conspiracy theories seem to be a tool of some very weird people, but they're in politics and they're in power because, you know, the all the Alex Jones conspiracies about chemtrails and QAnon and stuff, they play back to the Republicans, who are, they are the fucking elite. Do you know what I mean? So they always talk about, all oh, the elites are doing this to us, but they always argue those conspiracy theories in a way which supports the most elitist elites that that exist. So it, it's kind of it's kind of lost. There's no longer a way in for a movie maker to go, oh, 9-11, because now 9-11 is, if someone says 9-11 is inside job, it's like, no, no, no. It's like it, it, you immediately get stuck in bullshit theories of how the whole thing was, you know, a, a, an alien death ray or something, you know, that Warren Buffett paid for or, or, or something. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 there's no sensible place to take the theory. You, you, you're immediately going to get into something. 
Was there a conspiracy around 9-11? Was the intelligence suppressed because the Americans needed a, an excuse to go into the war? There are things that in a different era they could have done, but you so quickly get into like weird shit on the internet that you can no longer kind of you can no longer create, I think, a protagonist that people will want to follow and believe in. They immediately turn into a fucking nutter and an anorak, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when it comes to conspiracy theories nowadays, it's a lot more volatile. Like, back in the day, it was, was there a third bullet that killed JFK? Did the bullet curve or whatever like that? But it was never as... It was never as t- intense as the fucking Alex Jones shit that's been spewed out. And- can, can you imagine doing... You see, if you did a, a 9-11 was an inside job, that's one thing. 9-11 didn't happen. The whole thing was faked. Do you know what I mean? Or actually, this these are all lizards. Do you know what I mean? The David Icke stuff about yeah. these are all lizards and their moon. They, this was all done by the, their, their secret base on the dark side of the moon. It's like, where do you pitch it, you know? Yeah, and I think the way that these podcasts are presented now is that you don't want to be giving a lot of, is credence the right word, to these kind of people, like David Icke. Um, But there was a very interesting podcast I watched with this guy called Sean Atwood, who used to be like a major ecstasy dealer, and then did some time in in jail in America for being a massive um, EK drug dealer. Now he's just got into, he's got into conspiracy theories, but he's not like David Icke where he comes out and he says, oh yeah, it's all behind these lizards. He just like presents the information as he, like he sort of sees it like we all have our own truth and he does he did a lot of stuff on the jeffrey epstein stuff i'd love to see a conspiracy theory film about that this is the thing and i think we'll, we'll get into it i think the way the conspiracy theory has evolved over time i think we'll talk about it in the context of movies and then in our in our partner podcast the adamson's versus will get right down into what conspiracy and, yeah, theories that's are the, and i'm kind of in the two minds i don't want to properly get into it because yeah, that's what... I, I think if we stick to the movie side of things i think it is you know if you're going to do a conspiracy th- film about jeffrey epstein it would be around you know again you don't need to do a conspiracy theory oh, it, none of it actually happened jeffrey epstein is a hologram from the planet pluto what you want to go is did he really commit suicide no and and that's the thing there that that you know what what we're more likely to happen with it, we'll we'll, we'll get into kind of you know the, the more recent stuff in the twenty first century. But what the conspiracy theory that you could do about Jeffrey Epstein is probably easier to do as a fictional story inspired by Epstein. Do you know what I mean? Because at the minute that you start getting into it, you suddenly go, "Well, Bill Clinton's going to sue you for that." Do you know what I mean? Whereas Bill Clinton, if Bill Clinton's listening, he won't he won't sue you for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting, I'm telling you, you know, he yeah, will yeah. not just but, sue you for But do you, know, do you know what I mean? I think there's a lot of things that they'd be afraid to touch it with a barge pole unless they went, well, what we're going to do is we're going to do a fictional story about a Jeffrey Epstein type character. Do you know what I mean? Where they, can, where they can go and kind of explore. And everyone watching it will go, that's Epstein, isn't it? You know? That would be the nearest I think you'd get to it. This one ties in quite nicely, but um, I know we, we have our opinions about Joe Rogan and how much of a fucking walloper he can be. But when he's not talking about COVID or. Um, anything like that he said that he found it very uh interesting about uh stanley kubrick he's right in amongst it with these conspiracy theories hope you're ready to talk about that yes but he reckons that stanley kubrick um didn't just die of like natural reasons after eyes wide shut yes there is a conspiracy there's a whole bit of that because there's some fascinating conspiracy theories that sprung out of the shining and I did touch on like one of the conspiracy theories that was inspired by the way in which Barry Lyndon was filmed, which which plays to that about that, which were you know who knows. Um, Should we just get into it? Should we let's, just get let's into go, it? Yeah. I, I think I think we've given a nice pricey where we're going to get to now. You know me. You know I like to set a little, little bit of a background to where the conspiracy movie came from. And Are you about to talk about like the first conspiracy film that was made in like 1932, Tibet or something like that? I, I'm going to <laughs> give you a quick story. <laughs> the first sort of high-profile conspiracy films that we've seen in the movies probably comes from Hitchcock. The 39 Steps, The Man Who Knew Too Much yeah. in, in the 30s. And they're not so much... They're quite straightforward thrillers, and I think a lot of modern kind of films that, that touch on conspiracies probably go back to those early principles, which is to say in The 39 Steps, Hitchcock wasn't saying there is a conspiracy and the government's behind it or someone's trying to overthrow the government and this is who's behind it. 
it's about a conspiracy and it's about fictional characters and it's about fictional individuals and their plot and a hero's attempt to overthrow the plot. And it's a classic story. 39 Steps does it beautifully well. The Man He Knew Too Much does it similarly. In the 1940s, um, he did another brilliant one called Foreign Correspondent. And again, it's Hitchcock using the idea of a secret plot because that's a great idea for a movie, isn't it? There's a secret plot. Only one person knows the truth and no one believes it. Hitchcock's like, yeah, give me that. Give me that. I'll do that. I can take care of that. You know, he's like the footballer who sees the, the free kickers in shooting distance and immediately demands the ball. Do you know what I mean? He's going to put that one in the top corner, right? Hmm. Um, that progresses a little bit to North by Northwest, which is a, in the 50s, again, we're still all over Hitchcock, which has got like a secret, like espionage conspiracy trying to overthrow the government. But again, it's played as a straightforward thriller. A couple of films start to hint at where, where all this is going. And we discussed one of them in the remake, Hey, which was 1962's Manchurian Candidate, which is about a political plot to overthrow the government, which is meant to be chilling and concerning. How much of it is that John Frankenheimer saying the communists are really about to overthrow the government? Not so much. He was kind of a center-left individual. While he was totally anti-communist, he wasn't there to endorse far-right rhetoric about anyone who, you know... Anyone who criticizes anything that's going on is a communist who hates America. It was, but it was still getting into that territory. And Seven Days in May was done a couple of years later with Burt Lancaster in the lead role, and again with con- concerned a plot, a military coup plot that that has to be, you know, that has to be fended off. So you're in the sixties. You're starting to get into that kind of territory. Where it changes is in the seventies, and these these. The decades don't entirely fit. The actual decade, the classic cycle of conspiracy films, the 70s is slap bang in the middle of it, but it starts in 1969 and sort of ends in 1981, right? The start of it in 1969 is a film called Zed. Do you know if you're aware of this film? No. Costa Gavras, a French film director who was exiled from Greece uh, and, and made most of his films in France, did a couple of films in America as well. well. We'll talk about those later. And Zed was a French film shot in Algeria, but it was quite obviously about them or related to the military coups and conspiracies that had happened by the far right in Greece in the 60s. It, it was almost word for word about a political assassination that took place in 1963. And it happened to be released right in the middle of a fascist dictatorship being in charge of Greece between 1967 and 1974. Were you, were you aware of the, the the Greek colonels? No, only um, only the ones that like fought the fucking Persians. But yeah, so th- so this military dictatorship that took over France, they overthrew the government, promised to hold elections, and didn't. And this is in a European country in the late sixties to early seventies. Now, I find that really. Ch- I know that's more than fifty years ago for you. Do you know what I mean? But that was only a couple of years before I was born when that happened, and you know, or f- seven or eight years, and. That feels like, wow, in living memory, after everything that happened in World War II, you've still got far-right fascist dictatorships taking over European countries. That's quite chilling to me. And Zed was about that. This this politician was murdered in 1963, and the, the, the establishment covered it up. The military were up to the next in it. The far-right were using the kind of you know Greek equivalent of the English Defence League and these kind of boot-boy um, extremist groups that exist now. They were being used by the military to kill progressive politicians and then covering up the murder, right? And this is so obviously about that film that at the start of the movie, you know, they normally have that disclaimer about any similarity to actual events and people is coincidental. This has a big statement just before the movie starts. It says any similarities to actual events or people is not coincidental. It is intentional. <laughs> I mean, it's so completely. I mean, the guy, the, the guy who was killed in real life was a former Greek Olympic athlete who went on to be a politician. That's exactly who the guy is in the film. He's murdered in the film exactly the way the guy was murdered in real life. It's fucking straight up. And it's brilliant. On the nose, isn't it? It's brilliant, angry, documentary-style filmmaking. The, the, the first half of it is, is better than the second half, simply because it's when the, the, the riots and protests and police action is taking place. And it's filmed like a documentary. And it feels like you're in the crowd watching the guy get murdered in front of your eyes. And it's gripping, brilliant movie-making. But also it speaks to a time when people were trying to call out that this shit is happening all around us and someone's got to fucking tell that story. And it's, there's an urgency to it, you know? There's a, this is serious shit and we've got to do it, you know? And and further films, 
you know, followed from that. We talked about um, the Parallax View and, and Alan J. Pakula directed that, his, his Paranoia Trilogy. He did Clute in 1971, which is about a private detective who knows that this escort, this prostitute, has been is a witness to a murder and he interviews her about it and finds out that there's a conspiracy behind that murder. The conversation we talked about, you've seen the conversation, the Coppola film, right? Yeah, yeah, the... Gene Hackman is less than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and the, suddenly he finds out the cons- conspiracy is bigger than he ever realised, and it's beautiful paranoia. Yeah. That was Coppola's little side project in the same year he did The Godfather Part Two. Imagine being that good, right? Um, it's it's up there with Nolan accidentally making the best trilogy of all time because he wanted to make Inception. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Chinatown came out the same year. Now that's on the face of it is a, a detective story in the style of your Philip Marlowe kind of film noir. And it's set in 1930s Los Angeles with Jack Nicholson as a private detective. But actually, it's about uncovering a conspiracy in the politics of the time. We talked about the parallax view. There was also Three Days of the Condor about the CIA overthrowing, you know, trying to overthrow democracy. All the President's Men. Surely you've seen All the President's Men, right? Yeah. Uh, remind me. I don't know. I always mix it up with a, um, a few good men. What's All the no, President's all, Men? All the President's Men is when Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford play the real-life journalists who uncovered the Watergate conspiracy. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I've not seen A Few Good Men then. That's yeah, 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 yeah. So All the President's Men over overstates the part that those two journalists played in it, but it's great filmmaking because it shows you investigative journalists getting to the truth, you know? Um, it, even films that on the face of it weren't um, straight up conspiracy films had big conspiracy elements to it Network was about TV news at the time Faye Dunaway Peter Finch great movie but there's a a major plot line in that film is a conspiracy Um, you think about it Alien 1979 right that's a science fiction horror movie but central to that story is the fact that the corporation sent them to that ship on purpose to get one of them infected with an alien and to bring that alien back at the expense of the lives of the people on that ship. So even in mainstream films that aren't theoretically conspiracy films, you've got that paranoid conspiracy atmosphere. And that's that's the era that the 70s is in. Um, I remember a, a movie. This is one I actually... Most of these films, I'm talking about films that I did not see at the time because I was only a little kid in, 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 you know, in, in most of the 70s. And a lot of these films I discovered later. But one film that I did see more or less when it came out or shortly after um, was uh, Capricorn One. You'll not have heard of Capricorn One, 1977. No, no idea. Uh, <laughs> James Brolin, Elliot Gould, Sam Waterston, faces you'd vaguely recognise if you saw them in a movie. Sam Waterston, yes, I recognise, yeah. Now, Capricorn One concerns a space mission to Mars, which which is aborted at the last minute, Yeah. There's been a fault with the uh, with the rocket, so we're not going up. Everybody back into the into the the van. We're going back to NASA headquarters. We'll try another time. And when they get back to headquarters, the head of the space program or the head of a part of the space program says, "We can't afford to tell people that this launch was unsuccessful. There's so many budget cuts to NASA. People are getting bored, even though we're going to Mars, right?" People are getting bored with the space program and it's very expensive and there's a cost of living crisis or inflation that's going on. So what we're going to do is we're going to pretend that you really did launch. There's video being shown at the moment, footage of another launch into space and everyone thinks the feed is going out. Everyone thinks you're actually going into orbit right now. So we want you to fake landing on Mars and taking samples and telling people all about it um, because... You know, and we'll send you up next time. We'll go back to Mars for real next time, but we need you to fake it, otherwise the space program is going to collapse. These guys have got misgivings, but they're essentially doing what they're told. So they agree to fake, not a moon land. You know, because one of the big conspiracy theories of the time is they fake the moon landings, right? This is the idea that they fake the Mars landing for a very plausible reason that the, the mission failed and they need to get budget cuts. Where it gets tricky is someone decides it's far too dangerous to have these people around to tell the tale that they took part in, in faking it. So the official story is going to be that their, that their spacecraft burned up on re-entry and the men sadly died. And the guys realise they're going to get killed. Um, the three astronauts are James Brolin, Sam Walston and OJ Simpson back when he was playing heroes on film. And they escape because they know they're going to get murdered to cover up this plot. And they go off on the escape, uh, you know, run, run away from... 
uh, from the, the space site to try and escape so they can tell tell the story. The world watches their ship burn up and re-entry and mourns their apparent death, and they're out running for their lives. And a journalist played by Elliot Gould suspects something is up, and he goes along. And I remember I was really struck by one scene in the movie where Elliot Gould goes to see someone who knows something about this conspiracy at their flat and talks to them and gets a lead and goes off and investigates it. And when he goes back to their flat to follow up on something, to speak to the woman that he spoke to before, when the door is open, it's the same flat, but it's a different woman saying, who are you? No, I've lived here for five years. I don't know who you're talking about. You're crazy. No, that, no one by that name has ever lived here. I don't know what you're talking about. And I remember as a kid watching that going, what? That's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the idea that they could just change all of that. Now, this is very much kind of a minor conspiracy movie, but I think it was a great entry point to conspiracy films for me because as a kid, I could follow that whole story, right? Because it was about a space mission. And it was this and it was that. And it was like, oh, wow. And the idea of a cover-up. So that was my first movie saying, People are covering things up and you can't trust what you see because, and, and the idea of someone, you know, and then that guy gets chased off the road and his car goes into the the bridge and he has to get out and he's on the run and they're covering up and they're going to kill everyone who knows about the conspiracy. That was all of the things that you love about a conspiracy movie are in that movie. It's not a great film, but it worked for me and, and it introduced me to all of those principles that uh, um, uh, that work. And, and that's, that's the 70s. I don't know how the 70s conspiracy era plays to you as movies. A lot of the films are very dated to, 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 a, to a young person now. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, I've never heard of that film. I'm not going not gonna to try. I think your entry to... A lot of your entries to a lot of things that go on just in the world in general have been through cinema. Whereas mm-hmm. I think in, when I've been growing up, it's like been a totally different entry point. Like I can't think of a single conspiracy theory movie that I've seen that's come out since i've been born if that makes sense it's a much more multimedia world and we'll we'll come to the films of your era because we'll, we'll just quickly cover it in in the 80s the conspiracy theory fell out of fashion there were a few there's a film called missing by costa gabris the guy who did zed right. and again it's based on real events um a, a, an american citizen's uh young son i think is murdered uh, in Chile, while the, the fascist dictatorship is killing, you know, the the president, the the left wing president, and taken over with a fascist dictatorship under Pinochet, the Americans want that fascist dictatorship to succeed because they don't like leftist governments in South America. So they help help cover up for the um, the murder of one of their own citizens, and and try and stop Jack Lemmon playing the father, finding out what really went on. There was that kind of thing going on, but it wasn't. It was in the minority. There's a similar film called Salvador, done by Oliver Stone with James Woods. Um, there are a couple of British films in that thing called Defense of the Realm, Hidden Agenda. Hidden Agenda is about there being an unofficial shoot-kill policy in Northern Ireland. It's a very political movie, Ken Loach. What happened a lot more, and I think that's where the conspiracy movie went in the future, was thrillers that have some sort of conspiracy element. We did No Way Out with Kevin Costner. That's one of them. There's a film called Blue Thunder with Roy Scheider, which is about similar about a military project, or a police project with about a militarized helicopter. The kind of outlier, or the thing that kind of defined the 90s, was JFK. Now, have you seen JFK, Kevin Costner? No. That film is a fucking masterpiece of cinema. A lot of what it says about the JFK assassination is complete bullshit. But it's brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliantly made. It is a f- an incredible piece of cinema. It is absolutely gripping. It is the most gripping three hours you'll spend in the cinema. It's so on the edge of the sea. Is he going to uncover the truth? Is he going to, you know, and you know he isn't because there's no official acknowledgement of the, of the conspiracy or anything. Um, but it's um, it's absolute masterful cinema about a man who will not let it lie, who's convinced that there was a conspiracy to kill John F. Kennedy. Now, there's a flaw in the film and that he, he follows the story of a, a, a guy called uh, Jim Garrison, a district attorney in New Orleans. And the conspiracy theory that he put forward is fucking bullshit. And the people he tried to bring to account for it are minor players of some up to some weird shit but they didn't kill kennedy it's bullshit what he should have done if he wanted to tell a story about that is a, is uh, is to film a book called libra it's a novel by don delillo 
which goes into the conspiracy and shows and follows Lee Harvey Oswald being set up to to take part in the assassination. And there's a, a there's a chapter in the book where he's, he's he starts he, he starts firing or is getting ready to fire his shot at Kennedy from the book depository, and he sees a shot from the grassy knoll and he sees Kennedy get hit, and he goes shit, and he realizes that he's the patsy, he's the person who's going to get implicated for the crime. He thought he was there to kill Kennedy and he was going to kill Kennedy, and it's that point he realizes that the person on the grassy knoll is the killer, and he's uh, he's the um, the dumb fuck they're gonna they're gonna frame it for. Yeah. That with Oliver Stone's brilliant, like uh, filmmaking and campaigning style, that would have been perfect. As it is, it's still an amazing film and totally worth watching. You just have to switch off the "it's not true, that shit didn't happen." He makes some stuff up. It's absolute bollocks, but it's cinematically masterful. And in the nineties, it did repopularize conspiracy theories a little bit. There's a film called Sneakers with Robert Redford, which is a comedy about the surveillance state and shadowy government agencies. Definitely worth a watch. I think it still stands up. But the, the conspiracy thriller mostly morphed into like John Grisham thrillers, like The Firm and The Pelican Brief. Right. I mean, if you see any of those John Grisham thrillers, but they kind of told conspiracy tale stories through that style, these big budget all-star thrillers. And they're not really about saying this is what the whole government is up to. It's about this is what this... This is an individual conspiracy. The Pelican Brief was done by the guy who directed the Parallax View and all the President's Men. It's got Denzel Washington in it. It's a good watch. But it stops being a it stops being a, a political vehicle, the conspiracy film, and starts being more of a uh, just a, a, a way to tell a thriller story, back to the way Hitchcock did it. And but what happens in the nineties is what you've touched on. That the, the way the conspiracy thriller, or the, the conspiracy theory, um really made it although there were some like conspiracy like men in black sort of a conspiracy thriller there's snake eyes murder at 1600 but where it really goes is the x-files now you're aware of the x-files the tv show yeah the aliens tv show yeah and that's where the conspiracy theory went because people won't go oh that thing that happened that's aliens loch ness is real you know they're they're covering up everything in area 51 the moon landings are fate and the (laughs) x-files the X-Files trod this really beautiful line between exploring all of those conspiracy theories, even though they are like a load of crank bullshit, because they have two main characters, Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny, Scully and Mulder, who are, they're not cranks, but they're open-minded enough to investigate each thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was a huge show. I don't know if you ever even watched an episode of The X-Files. It's totally before your time. Yeah, I found it kind of spooky. I think I watched an episode when I was like, four or my like my cousins were watching an episode and i wasn't like watching it and i shouldn't have been wasn't a fan yeah but that's where conspiracy theories went do you know what i mean um that then that's why you talked about at the beginning that now conspiracy theories are much more of this outlandish tinfoil hat stuff the x-files kind of popularized that and it's not their fault because they i think they did it in a very credible way but that's where that's what became popular as conspiracy fair do you know what i mean there's one film from the 90s that I wanted to pick out. For you. I don't know if you've seen Enemy of the State with um, Will Smith. Uh, no. That's worth a watch because although it's a pretty conventional thriller, Will Smith, you know, information falls into his possession, which is a, you know, uh, it uncovers a conspiracy of certain parts of the government to pass laws allowing, you know, the surveillance state to take place and everyone to get watched and recorded. And it turns into an action thriller. It's notable because Gene Hackman comes back. He's almost reprising the character he played in the conversation. But the reason it's really interesting is that even for 1998, in a way that could be very dated, it's got some brilliant stuff where everything has been recorded on camera. Satellite images like go down to ground level and can basically see what Will Smith is wearing as he runs down the street. Do you know what I mean? And there are teams have got them on camera and watching him wherever he goes. And that idea of cctv and the surveillance state and everyone being watched everywhere is beautifully done in that movie and i think that's one of the few films from that era that um captures the mood because i think some people now are are concerned about how much we're all being watched all the time and and how people are kind of monitoring monitoring all of society do you know what i mean
And I don't know if that's something that your generation is as concerned about as my generation is concerned about. The idea of being watched and you know what, what's happening to your data. No, and no, no, no. Definitely, definitely are. I'm, I'm fully conscious of whenever I install a new app, I say ask app not to track mm-hmm. things, and even then, like, there's been times where like my partner and I have just been discussing something, mm-hmm. and then adverts about the thing that we discussed, not that we searched. Yeah come up on like Instagram it's, and stuff it's like really that. creepy isn't it it's like is your phone record, you know is your phone has turned itself on and recorded and listened to what you've been saying it's what it's it's, it's worrying yeah. isn't it it's not uh, yeah so the enemy of the state is is a really good I don't know how much you want to watch a film starring Will Smith right now but once you get over the you know antipathy towards Will Smith from his antics at the Oscars that's a really good movie to watch that's a really good modern conspiracy thriller that came out in your lifetime so I would call that one out for you. Yeah. So far as what you're saying, I think you're right, though, apart from that, is there haven't been a lot of what you'd call traditional conspiracy theories in that time. There have been a few things. A lot of them haven't worked. I mean, they did a film about Edward Snowden. I don't think it worked all that well. They did a film about the Julian Assange incidents. They didn't connect with an audience and didn't get great reviews. I don't know if you saw either of them. Snowden and the Fifth Estate? No, I didn't. They were kind of... And the Snowden wasn't as panned as much as the Fifth Estate one, but no, they, you just, you know, that way that film isn't going to be that interesting. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah, and, and there have been other attempts, like there's a film called State of Play, which was an American film remake of a of a, a British TV series. Um, we talked about Manchurian Candidate in 2004. You know, George Clooney's weighed in with a couple, Syriana in 2005, Michael Clayton in 2007. But one thing is, none of them are out-and-out conspiracy films like the Parallax View. Do you know what I mean? That's why I wanted us to discuss the Parallax View for the, you know this this episode, because that is the template for a proper American political conspiracy thriller, which doesn't really have the same traction anymore, does it? Um, maybe the Fifth Estate and Snowden just weren't very good because they are very current stories. But I also have a feeling that I don't think the audience connects with that story anymore. I don't. I don't think it's so easy to, to rally the audience round and say. Because I think what Snowden did is like a very important event in, in modern times, but I just don't think it's possible to get the audience to sit around and, and, and watch films about that subject anymore. Do you know what I mean? Am I wrong? Am I am I not giving the audience enough credit? Um, I don't think that you're not giving them enough credit. I think it's not... I don't know. It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's... I get where you're coming from. I get what you're trying to say. I don't know if it's actually necessarily... I don't think you're wrong to say that. But, um, and you're not... I mean, we shouldn't be the ones that have to assess whether someone else is, you know... Like, if it's on them. I don't I, I don't know how to answer your point. If that makes yeah, I, I think I think the, the point I'm trying to make is that I just don't think... Audiences are much di- more diverse in their opinion. I think, the, 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 I think there's more than one way to view the way the establishment behaves these days. If you say the establishment or the the elites these days, the people that might be behind the conspiracy, one half of America views that one way and the other half of America views it a very different way. So I think it's very difficult to coalesce a a single vision of that in one film because some people go, here we go, fucking left liberal propaganda again. Do you know what I mean? Or you might go, oh shit, that's just, you know, if you tell a story about foreign enemies, there are a lot of people on the left going, oh, that's just kind of right-wing propaganda. I don't think there's the same... You can't do the 1962 Manchurian candidate anymore. You can't do you know, the, uh, the Parallax View anymore because I think that the society's relationship with the political system has just changed, especially since things like Brexit and stuff and the, the way elections go nowadays. I mean... What I was going to say was that I think in the 21st century, conspiracies have are played out differently in films. On a more serious level, um, someone there's a film called Interview with the Assassin. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's it's a found footage conspiracy film. Right. Now, it's very of its time. That whole found footage thing is totally dated now, right? I mean... I'm not sure I want to watch another found footage film. But Interview with the Assassin is really interesting because it's about a filmmaker who's sacked from his job, but he's got a camera and he starts following around a guy who claims he was the second gunman on a grassy knoll. It's made in about 2002. 
And it does kind of touch on the kind of citizen journalism, how people could make their own movie on YouTube now. People could put their own video on YouTube claiming to have seen something. So I thought it was quite interesting for that. But a lot of the time you see things like, there's that film The Tailor of Panama with Jeffrey Rush, and was it Piers Brosnan, one of those? And there's The Constant Gardener, which we watched for this film. Those have got conspiracies in them, but they're not conspiracy films. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot more of that. And the Bourne trilogy, the Bourne Identity, the Bourne Supremacy, the Bourne Ultimatum, those are spy films that are also conspiracy films. Do you know what I mean? But the principal, the principal thing for the audience is an action thriller about spies. But underneath it all, there's a conspiracy, right? I mean, do they? Yeah, do, think, do, do you know what I mean? I think I think that's that's how you do a conspiracy film now. Yeah, I think that's. I think they've just kind of become part of films, but there's not going to be like a film mm-hmm. about just a conspiracy theory. Um. Yeah, I think it's. There, there was some. Uh, there was something else I was looking at for this, and I'd be interested to know what you think of it. Is there's a lot of. I was reading this, and when I read it, I went, you know, I agree with that. I'd be interested to see if you agree with it as well, and what, how you think this plays out. A lot of the storylines of some of the Marvel and superhero films, they use the conspiracy plot uh, in a lot of its storylines. And those are clearly not intended to be um, conspiracy films, they're action blockbusters. But there's a lot of conspiracy in the Marvel films, isn't there? Uh-huh. If, you to- if you talk about like Captain America's Civil War and the um, you know how Hydra was actually secretly hiding inside S.H.I.E.L.D., and how the, um, the 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 superhero registration act is essentially almost a premise to kind of control superheroes, and then Hydra reveals itself, and kind of, you know, the bad guys are hiding behind the good guys. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's no longer just a. It's not even like a genre of film anymore. It's just it'll be a trope that's yeah. used in a film. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these films now, they just don't seem to get the same, you know, the, the Constant Garner did okay, but I think that it, it it didn't do enormous business. And it seems like you try and tell people what the the multinationals are doing, pharmaceutical companies are doing in, in Africa. And it's like, not everyone's interested, you know? Yeah, I think the problem is, is that all the big ones that you want to talk about wouldn't, like, any government in the world would do everything in their power to stop them from yeah, being you, made. Yeah, you can't do 9-11 because that's just such a... You couldn't do any of the ones like about Princess Diana and stuff like that because, you know, there'd be outcry. You know, people would be absolutely furious if... Uh, See, I, I think you could do I think you could do an Epstein story, but you would have to do it with a fictional character who everyone sees is obviously based on Epstein. And I think you could do that. And I think that would play into who are the names in his little black book, who's trying to cover up, who seems respectable on the face of it, who's like a famous person who's actually been, you know, taking advantage of this exploitation of women that Epstein was behind. How did Epstein use that to blackmail or win influence? Do you know what I mean? Were people being, people in power being blackmailed because they were on an Epstein flight or an Epstein holiday visit? I think you could do that, but you'd have to do it with fictional characters. Nah, fuck that. Name and shame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you could name and shame, but I think you'd just kind of get into... See, and, and this is the other thing we've talked about, is that if you look at all the president's men, which was a huge event, the Watergate scandal was so huge, and the, 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 the novel, this is the interesting thing, is that Woodward and Bernstein wrote a non-fiction book about their experiences on the Washington Post uncovering Watergate, but they wrote it like a novel, and it was a huge bestseller, so that was obviously going to get made into a film. But in order to make it into a film, in order to make that an exciting novel, they overplayed how much the Washington Post was involved. They underplayed how much the New York Times did. They made it seem like every revelation was them and the stories they got from Deep Throat, when a lot of it was actually American law enforcement carrying out a painstaking investigation. Do you know what I mean? Interviewing people, arresting them, gathering evidence. You you watch that film, you think Woodward and Bernstein uncovered the whole thing. So it plays back into that thing we talked about, I think, I don't know if you think the same, that when you take a film based on true events, there's often you often find yourself in situations where you play with the facts to tell a good story. Do you know what I mean? And it might be better to just do a fictional story inspired by real events. Like The Constant Gardener. The Constant Gardener is about a fictional pharmaceutical company, a fictional person uncovering it, and fictional people behind a conspiracy. But at the end of it, you see the the, um, uh, the, the little look, sort of epilogue from John le Carre, who says, this is based on stuff that actually happened that I re- researched. And it may, I think it makes you believe the point of the movie more 
than if you try and tell the true story and then someone goes, oh yeah, but that character didn't do that then or didn't do it that way. Do you know what I mean? I think that's that that's a, a huge pitfall of telling the true story. I think I understand why the they would adjust it. Like you say, you, you couldn't call the film about Je- you couldn't make the film about Jeffrey Epstein. You'd have to call the character, you know, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that kind of thing. Um, you couldn't have you know a film about GlaxoSmithKline. You know, I mean, I don't know why you shouldn't be able to. I mean, you you could. You just would probably wake up in several bins. Um, for making it, you know, if you made a film about Jeffrey Epstein, you said Bill Clinton was an associate of Jeffrey Epstein, he was on the Late Express, I reckon he was up to no good. He'd end up chopped up into 40 different pieces and left in a fucking, you know, in a garbage site. That's just the way it is. So it's going to take someone with the balls to make that kind of film and just call out every piece of shit that's done it. And do you reckon if they did it and just made a film about Jeffrey Epstein and said, yeah, he didn't kill himself, someone someone put a massive... um, former cop that had just killed four people in the cell with Jeffrey Epstein, and I'm going to make a film about it, and I don't give a fuck about the repercussions. Do you reckon they could get away with it? I like, think if- I think you could get away with making it, but I don't think you'd get... I don't think you'd get significant amounts of money from a film studio. I don't think you'd get um, um, backing from the media companies that you'd be relying on for distribution and showing it in the cinemas, because somewhere someone's going to say, this is tricky, you know, I've just had an injunction from someone that we've named... Do you know what I mean? I, I think you could end up telling a much more hard-hitting story about what happened by saying this is a former president called Clil Binton. Do you know what I mean? And what he got involved in. And if Bill Clinton tries to object, you say, guys, this is a fictional character. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think you could probably say a lot more of what you thought went on. And they say, well, what, you know, what are you complaining about? This is a fictional character. It's inspired by real events. But no one... You know, no one, no one minds when you tell a story about a cop and it's not a real cop. Do you know what I mean? But we, re- we, do you know what I mean? When when an actor goes plays at a police police officer, they meet real policemen. Do you know what I mean? But then they don't. But then they tell the story of a fictional character. But you believe that that maybe is what it's like, you know, on the streets today. And I think that's how you would t- that's how you do Epstein now. And and I think it would be, it would make a more interesting film, and it would be it would enable you to tell more of the story. That's my that's my humble opinion on it anyway. Yeah, and it's annoying that you can't, and it's annoying that no studio or director or distribution company would have the backbone to make that film. Because hmm. someone somewhere, right, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, was there are supposedly people from the entertainment world who were who were in his little black book. They're supposedly, you know, they mentioned Chris Tucker and all of this stuff. And who was the one that went with Hugh Grant to the Globes or the Oscars with that mad dress with the paper clips in it? Liz Hurley. Yeah, she's in it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And there, there I think there are enough people. In the, in, those are just the people we've heard of. And there's no way that Julie, uh, that uh, Jeffrey Epstein isn't going to cultivate a billionaire who finances films or a billionaire who owns a film studio. Do you know what I mean? He's obviously in that world. You know, if it's true that some of the world's most famous and powerful people were on Jeffrey Epstein's plane, some of those famous, powerful people run a film studio and they're not going to let it happen. It would be like what happened with Citizen Kane when uh, Orson Welles tried to tell a story that's so obviously based on William Randolph Hearst and Hearst was powerful enough to kill the movie and it, it failed at the box office. Everyone's heard of Citizen Kane now. A lot of people have seen it. At the time, it fucking died at the box office because Hearst, the Rupert Murdoch of his day, was not going to let that movie um, be a hit. That's <sighs> annoying, isn't it? But the thing is, if you find a way to tell that story and just stay this... This is what Hitchcock was so good at. I mean, his, his battles were with the censor and with film producers who wanted to take control of films away from him. But he was brilliant at telling his, making his movies in such a way that so strongly hinted at what he was trying to say, but you couldn't actually accuse him of actually saying it. Do you know what I mean? And everyone watching the movie knows what he's talking about, but no one can actually stop him making a movie. That's when Hitchcock was at his absolute best, because he was just... He's like a footballer who makes the a tackle that fucking really hurts the other player, but it wasn't an illegal tackle. He got the ball. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Hitchcock was the absolute master of staying just this side of the line. And you need someone who's going to do that because what you'll do is everyone will go and watch the movie and no one can actually say, oh, you, you, 
you know, you, you've you've uh, you've slandered Leonardo DiCaprio over in this. What are you talking about? This is a fictional character. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. that's the only way you could do it. So, I mean, that's like you still get things like, I mean, conspiracy thrillers like By Other Means, things like Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. You seen that? No. That's a good movie. That's a no, good film. No, no, it's, no. He plays a sniper. You like a sniper movie. I reckon you'd like that. I don't think there's actually ever been an excellent sniper movie. Give Shooter a chance. I reckon you'd like it. But underlying it is a conspiracy. And, you know, we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens uh, with, 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 other, with other things. I think you're right. I think it's going to be used as a trope in thrillers rather than, you know, conspiracy thrillers as a genre. But if you are interested in conspiracy thrillers and if you're interested in conspiracy theories... Um, you know, the problem is, imagine someone making a movie about the Sandy Hook disaster, do you know what I mean? And, and saying that was an inside job because that's an Alex Jones conspiracy theory. That would be atrocious. And the no only way you could that make movie. that film is if you did it from the perspective of the parents who've had to listen to that shit for the past 10 years. And I don't want to get into what we would talk about on the Adams Versus because I think we're definitely going to talk about that. But the real conspiracy could be the fact that someone like Alex Jones gets constant amounts of funding and always manages to find a way to be supporting the Donald Trump side of things in all of his broadcasts. I mean, if there was a conspiracy, it would be that. Do you know what I mean? The fact that the conspiracy is that these conspiracy nuts are out there telling their stories in a certain way and radicalizing the audience in a way that plays into the hands of a given constituency of of politics. That could be the conspiracy. But again, I think we're getting into the territory that we talk about on the Adamson's versus now. Yeah. Now, you wanted to, and I think we've got a little bit of time, talk about some of the conspiracy theories around um, Stanley Kubrick. And conspiracy theories about movies themselves, I think it's a fascinating topic. So tell me what you wanted to say about the conspiracy theories around uh, Kubrick, and maybe I can weigh in with a couple that, that you don't know about. So the big one is is that he faked the moon landings. He, I think he himself has admitted that NASA came to him and said, we need you to film footage for the moon landings. Um, can you help us do it? And he just, I think he'd just done 2001. Yeah. Yeah, he did 2001 right, yeah. in 1968 and right, yeah, the, yeah. The, the Apollo moon landings took place in 1969. So he's said that, yeah, Dad pulled all the shots, I did all of it and made it, you know, look real. And, you know, that's... Uh, which is a pretty big bombshell, isn't it? Because I've I fully believe that we've been to the moon, and I believe the Apollo missions went to the moon. But Stanley Kubrick is saying that he faked them. So this is this is what I was mentioning in the uh, in in the roundup when we when we did the Kubrick entry for this month, Barry Lyndon. Where that came from is there was a particular camera that NASA used on the moon landings, on the moon to film the uh, to film Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landing on the moon. Because they are in space. I mean, the sun is there and you've got light, but it's not like you can just go down there with a normal newsreel camera and, and roll it and, and get workable footage of the of the moon and them, and them on the surface. There were specific cameras. Yeah, there's Zeiss. There were only ever 10 lenses made and these special cameras um, made by a guy called Carl Zeiss. And... Those those cameras were used because they could capture enough light so that you could see what was going on on the moon. Because Neil Armstrong could look with the naked eye at what was going on, on the moon, and there was enough light for him to see what was going on. A normal film camera back then would not have been able to see anything usable. But these cameras had special lenses that enabled you to film footage on the moon. And in 1975, Kubrick, because he knew about these cameras, went, those are the cameras I need if I'm going to film candlelight in 18th century houses because he didn't want to have artificial light. He wanted to film only natural light, and he needed a special camera to do it, and he used the same cameras that they used on the moon. And that has morphed into a conspiracy theory that says the cameras that um, Kubrick used to fake the moon landing are the ones Kubrick used to make some of his other films, and that's where it came from. Because he used cameras that NASA used, they've turned that into uh, Kubrick uh, fake the moon landings. Oh, Okay, so now that one's been disproved. Um, well, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's been uh, the thing is even before that, the fact that people say the polymony, there was this whole thing. Kubrick shot two thousand and one, 
He he was obviously in conversation with NASA. Do you know what I mean? The the rumor got out that he borrowed the cameras from NASA. What actually happened was he bought the cam. There were ten cameras made, uh, and he bought some of them, and NASA bought the rest basically. Um. But that 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 conspiracy goes further. Is that people, uh, that that build it in to say that um, there are lots of hints in The Shining to various conspiracies. One of which is Kubrick staging the moon landing. They're saying there is a conspiracy theory that it's an apology by Kubrick for staging the moon landing, which is why there's a, a key room, a scene in Shining of room two three seven. Um, the moon is two hundred thirty seven miles from the Earth, and that's a secret message from Kubrick. Um, all work and no play is that kind of uh, statement that, um, that Jack Nicholson types over again on the keyboard. People say that ALL is an, Apollo, uh, uh, an abbreviation of Apollo 11. Um, so th there's these things saying that there's lots of hidden messages in The Shining saying that Kubik really did fake the moon landing. But I mean, th I mean, the, the, the theory was always bollocks and you're never going to disprove it for someone who believes it. Do you know what I mean? But I think it's really interesting that people have hit on these details around Kubrick and it's made them think that he was involved in it. Because who else would you get to fake a moon landing but a great film director, right? This is true. Um, so, his next conspiracy theory, or the conspiracy theory that surrounds him, is that after he made Eyes Wide Shut, which is about sort of like the upper classes having these wild sex parties, Yeah. the theory is, is that he obviously died shortly after or did he die before it was released? He died before the film was released. He'd uh, delivered his... what for, he, de he delivered for what most directors would be the final cut of the film to the studio and then died shortly afterwards of a heart attack. Mm. Um, now, the way Kubrick works is that he delivers his final cut, the studio tells him what they think, and then he goes and tinkers with it practically until the day before the film's got to be released. So there are arguments that Eyes Wide Shut is not 100% finished because the way Kubrick did all his other films, he would have carried on tinkering after that. But most people agree that that's pretty much his final cut. But again, yeah, there is the theory that he died suddenly before the film was released and that there was foul play involved. Do you believe that? Uh, yes. That's interesting. It's about celebrities having naughty sex. And that's exactly what would happen to the director who made the Epstein one. You see, we'll we'll have to we'll have to come back to that because I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut and I don't know how near the bone any of it is. Because on the one hand, if someone makes a fictional story about the elites having sex orgies that doesn't name anyone and doesn't claim that there's any trafficking or foul play or anything like that involved, to what extent are the elites actually bothered that someone's telling that story in that way you see if you ask me whether mm. whether someone like someone in a position of power could kill a film director for making a film they, they don't like could they do it yes would they do it yes I would say yes if they were sufficiently motivated what I don't know because I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut is what is in that movie that would make anyone who's in a position to do that go to the trouble of doing it as opposed to going, ah, oh, fucking, they can believe what they want. That's what I. That's what I don't know, and I haven't seen the movie. But what what do you think it is about the film that might make them actually do that? Hmm. I've not actually seen it myself, but I know that it's like it's pure meant to be about the whole. You know, they're up to no good, and they're doing like these weird, almost like cultist things, mm -hmm. and it's exposing the the upper classes for all of these cultist things that they've been doing. Uh, is it part of your Kubrick Odyssey? Yes, it's going to be the last one. It's the one we do in well, December. Well, there you go. We'll, we'll know then if he was then. killed. Yeah, I mean, he, he died of a heart attack. And the thing about a heart attack is that a 70-year-old man can easily die of a heart attack. I mean, the amount of strain that Kubrick put, put himself through when he was making films, he did everything the hard way. It's quite possible to believe that he just had a heart attack. But also, if you're going to fake someone's death, a heart attack's an easy way to do it. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll, ne we'll never know the answer, but I think it is fascinating, and I think it's a it's a it shows what a fascinating and secretive and enigmatic figure Kubrick is that he's someone around whom all of these um, 
conspiracy theories revolve. I mean, there's loads of things in The Shining that claim to be conspiracy theories. That uh, his face is in the clouds of one shot of the movie. Um, there's a claim that the whole thing is about the Holocaust. That the, the number forty-two is referred to, which you know, which is a reference to the Final Solution, which was decided upon in 1942. These things are usually a big reach. There's a claim that The Shining is a commentary on the genocide of the Native American people, because there's, uh, you know, the, there's a, a a reference to the Calumet Baking Powder Company, and the Calumet is an Indian peace pipe. Um, it does feel like people are kind of reaching for details. Um but there's references to saying that it that it's that the whole thing's referring to CIA mind mind control um, plans and cover ups. It, it's, I think I I think what is interesting interesting is if anyone was going to come up with a conspiracy theory about about films, it would be about Kubrick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I just had a thought there. Do you reckon the way that we get rid of all these conspiracy theories and this mistrust? Is that what we do is once, well, actually, no, what we'll do is we'll have a purge. We'll have a, a, like a reverse purge. So it's like a good purge. And then we'll get all the, like, political leaders and all the people that are up to shady shit. And we'll basically get, we'll get them all out and we'll get them, like, what have you done? Come on, tell us, what did you do? Truth and reconciliation. Yep. And say, okay, yeah, I did that. Right, okay. Don't do it again or I'll kill you. And then that's it. That's how you get rid of conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean the the thing is right. Um, there will always be things that the government wants to keep private, so there's always going to be something they don't want to tell you, and sometimes that's legitimate for them not to tell you, and sometimes it is. Yeah, they're bastards for not telling you that. And in that environment, that's always going to give someone scope to create a conspiracy theory. You've also got the problem that nothing's going to get rid of conspiracy theories because there are people out there, and we'll get more into this on the on the the other podcast. There are people who need to believe and talk about conspiracy theories, and they're never going to stop. And there are people like Donald Trump who is actively promoting and encouraging conspiracy theories, and the Russians, the Russian like uh, cyber war against uh, against the West, entirely depends on it, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to make you not believe anything. There's a really good quote in, a, in a, a Channel 4 drama called The Undeclared War where it said, the object of the exercise is to stop people believing what they see and read and hear. Because if nothing is true, anything can be true. And whoever tells, whoever lies loudest wins. And I thought that was a really interesting summary of what's happening at the moment. There are people out there actively pushing conspiracy theories and there are people out there who want to believe in them. And we'll get into that more on the um, on the uh, on the other podcast. But w- w- the reason I think it works in movies is this: because movies are all about the exceptional thing. They're all about the thing that might not be true, but wouldn't it be cool if it was? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What if ghosts are real? What if there was a conspiracy behind uh, behind that death? What if um, you know that whole thing that that crazy person on the street who believes in uh, all of these things happening. There's, there's quite an interesting film. It's a crap film, basically, but it's a fascinating idea called Conspiracy Theory starring Mel Gibson, yeah? And he plays one of these kind of, you know, people who's obsessed with conspiracy theories and he sends out a newsletter because it's pre-internet talking about all the conspiracy theories he believes in and it turns out one of them is true. And that is what, that is the driving focus for so many movies. That is the what if. What if that thing is actually true? What if that thing is actually real? Do you know what I mean? What if the guy who says he's innocent of the crime actually is? And you don't have a movie, right, unless you explore the idea that that thing might actually be real that actually isn't, or that thing is much more interesting, or the implausible thing is actually plausible. That's why you have movies of that nature, because that's why you have movies. Do you know what I mean? People like exploring that stuff. And if if you had a film that said, was JFK assassinated by a conspiracy? No, the end. That's shit. No one wants to watch that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so movies always tend towards the idea that the conspiracy theory might be true. Because there's something in there that people love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. So obviously there's things that we've explored in that. And I think we've hinted at things that we'll talk about in more detail on the Adamsons versus the conspiracy theory, which will be coming soon. Oh, watch out, watch, out, on, w- watch out. out for the socials on that. But 
Is there anything else that you wanted to close on or if you have a closing statement on conspiracy theories in the films that uh, that we've talked about today, mate? No, I think you wrapped it up really nicely there. Very good. Well, thank you very much for listening. That's The Big Conversation. We'll be back with another one soon. Um, but other than that, I think we're done. That's all for this month's episode of Double Reel. Thanks for listening and for making it all the way to the end. Thanks also to my co-host, James Adamson. The podcast was edited in Audacity and hosted on Anchor FM. We are grateful for their continued support. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. Blowout is available on a Criterion Collection Blu-ray or to stream or buy from digital platforms. The story of Louis Malle's Moon Over Miami can be found in the book The Greatest Movies You'll Never See, edited by Simon Braund. Outside of Double Real, you can find us both hosting a non-film related podcast, The Adamsons Versus. Our next episode, The Adamsons Versus The Conspiracy Theory, will be out soon. So this is me, James Adamson, signing off, and... This is me, James Adamson, signing off. Our next regular episode will be number 30 next month. Keep an eye out for any special episodes we decide to do in future. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe and tell your friend. Until next time, stay safe, watch lots of films, and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media. And... Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Very fitting sign-off. Blowout is available on a Criterion Collection Blu-ray or to stream or buy on from digital... I'll start that again. Fuck knows what happened there. The word Criterion just fucking made me shit myself. (laughs) Fuck fuck knows what. You know the way you look at a word and you're like, ah, what the fuck? Yeah.